0: Well, Happy Mother's Day. There's nothing better on Mother's Day than to be in the presence of God. Uh, wow, I'm still thinking about that word that my wife brought to you, ladies. So, uh, guys, I'm gonna have to up the ante on Father's Day because last year I just handed you a soda. So, said, enjoy it. <laughs> there was no spiritual significance. It was just sugar. So, <clears throat> um, I wanna I wanna minister today as I do many times on Mother's Day, and look at, some, look at one lady in the Bible and, and, and her encounter with the Lord. And so I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 16. And we're going to pull some truth here from this encounter uh, with Hagar. I've never met anyone named Hagar, have you? It's not, not one of the names we pick out of the Bible um, for many different reasons. It just doesn't sound good in English, one. Uh, and she's probably not the, the greatest hero in the Bible, but we're going to see that she does have a powerful encounter with God. You know, we went to... Uh, you can just keep your Bible there at Genesis 16. We'll be there in just a second. So uh, just, just to give you a little bit... I get to give a little bit of a testimony of our men's retreat. So um, I want you to know, ladies, that we were really challenged to bless our wives and our mothers. So if this has been a horrible week, guess what? The enemy wanted to oppose what was placed in our hearts. And so... Uh, I know that, uh, you know, whenever you get truth, you know, sometimes the, the enemy wants to challenge you to say, do you really believe this? Do you really want to walk in this? Because he's got people listening all over the place. He's, he's not everywhere. You know, the devil is not everywhere. He's in one place. So when, say the, when we say the devil's attacking us, we really mean there's one of his assistants is probably doing it. It's probably not the devil because he's in one place, whereas God is everywhere. So you can see the great advantage that God already has over Satan. But, you know, whenever we we, we take ground, whenever there's something that happens, you you get a little pushback because he wants to make sure, hey, do you really know this? And you know what? Here's the deal. I think God lets it a little bit because he wants to know, do you really know this? Because it's good if you really get the truth and the truth really sets you free. So, men, I just encourage you, if you've had a challenging week, man, you just had an encounter with truth. And so now truth is having a chance to work its way out in your life to really dwell and birth itself in affliction and in challenges and in uh, trials and tribulations. Because that's where sometimes the the rubber meets the road. But, man, we had, a, we had an encounter. Pastor Jared Duggar uh, spoke and... If I have, I don't know if I've ever heard a man be more transparent and vulnerable than he was from the pulpit. I mean, it was like he opened himself up, in a way that that really ministered to us. If you don't know Pastor Jared Duggar, most of you probably don't. Um, he pastors in uh, Love Up, Texas, Fresh Fire Fellowship up there. I have known him for. About 20 years. He was in the late 90s when my dad went to pastor the church in Lubbock, First Foursquare, which is now New Hope. Uh, he was the pastor there for about two, two years. Uh, Jared Duggar was his youth pastor. And I met that's where I first met Jared, was going up to visit my parents at the Lubbock church. And uh, the one thing I noticed about him right away was that guy loved God. He worshipped God. He could get on that piano. When he got on the piano and began to worship, it was just like heaven. He, he went, he was in heaven. If you wanted to join him, you could join him. It's up to you. But, um, you know, I've, I've, I've known him for a lot of years. But, man, just to see that when you continue to walk with God... You can continue to grow and see breakthrough because he has seen a a radical change in his life. He had a great life. He loved God. He had a good marriage. He had a good relationship with his kids. He had a lot of good stuff. He had like the thing a lot of people would say that's that's the goal right there. That's the Christian life. And then God came in and said, "No, there's way more." And he had to repent. He had to. He was broken. He was challenged. He was unmasked and uncovered in, in how much he really still needed the Lord. And now in the last year and a half, he's had a time where, I mean, he just gets in where he's just weeping before God. And God's just taking him to a new place. Guess what? His relationship with his wife is better than it's ever been. He had a good marriage. Now he's got an even better marriage. So, like, you don't have to plateau in Jesus. You know, you don't have to, like, we don't have to get to a certain level and go, like, Alright, that's good, that's it. And so that's, it's tempting, it's tempting to do that. Cause we get a little bit of relief from the world, we get to a little bit of peace, we get to walk in, you walk in truth, you get a little bit of truth, you get a little bit of freedom, it feels good. But here's the deal, there is more. You're on, you're on a mountain journey, you're not on like this, you know, I know we don't know what that is around here, like because like, it's, but we were in the mountains last week. There are mountains on the earth, okay? And I walked up one every morning to pray. That was so awesome. I, I like that. Maybe I'd get up early if there are mountains around here. But I got up early, couldn't sleep on those hard mattresses uh, or something. I don't know. Um, you know, 4.30 in the morning the first day, I'm thinking, I can go back to sleep. No, I can't. I, I'm not going to sleep again th- this day. And so, but man, you just, we just met with God. I just wanted you to know that we met with the Lord It was a it was an awesome time, Uh, and so he challenged us on so many levels to protect our house. Really, it was about protecting our house. You know, our families, our loved ones, ourselves. You know, protecting our own hearts, um, addressing issues. Man, there was every every key issue for a man was addressed. Wouldn't you think so, Shane? I mean, just about every key issue that a men men will face in this world was addressed. And in a way that was um, convicting, yet freeing. It was—you know—we didn't feel condemned. I, I didn't ever feel condemned that I wasn't measuring up, that God was was upset with me, but that God was calling me to something more. That He was—he was calling me into something higher. Man, we—we—I prayed with some guys. Man, I was tired at that retreat because I was up at the altar just praying for people. Um, I wasn't preaching; I was praying. Praying is way more exhausting than preaching, let me tell you. <laughs> so for those of you that pray, your job is way harder than mine. Preaching is easy, okay? Uh, some of you are thinking, I don't think so. But uh, compared to praying, but man, you just pour into guys. I mean, we had guys coming up that were just broken, and really God was bringing healing and freedom. Some, some guys I knew, I got to pray with some of our own guys. Man, that's so special. Uh, but some guys I didn't know. And just to see that the, the power of the Holy Spirit was just present, but it was like a, it was the power of like, it was the heart work. I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of expression on the outside. There were some, but it was more like the deep inner thing that was going on that that you knew something was happening inside of us. And so, thank you for praying for us. Thank you, ladies, for letting us get away for the weekend. Thank you for those of, uh, who maybe gave to bless us, to help some guys go. so, so worth it, so worth it. Uh, every single guy would say it was worth it. So, um so I will reference something later in the message. But let's jump in. We're going to jump into the story of Hagar. If you aren't familiar with this story, this is, this is the story really of Abram and Sarai who became Abraham and Sarah. And we've got this person who shows up who we would never know about. We would never have heard about Hagar except for the choice that Abraham and Sarah made to disobey God. And so that's kind of what she's known for is she's Abraham and Sarah. This is the disobedience. You know, it's not, that's why we probably don't use that name for our kids. Um, so let's just pick it up and get this story going. So Abraham, Abraham, of course, was promised children. They weren't able to have children and they're getting old. You know, Abraham is uh, about, I believe, 86 years old at this point, point. Uh, 86, not that old. huh, Miss Dorothy. Eighty-six is not that old. So um, it's a little too old to have a baby, though. <laughs> so now, right? No babies, right? No, okay. Just making sure. I'm not... Somebody else is going to have to pray for that. Um, I, don't, I don't have enough faith. Um, so it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Okay, they always blame the woman back then, but we know that it's not always her fault. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar or Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Okay, just, you gotta, the culture is different, okay? You just gotta understand that this was like actually somewhat acceptable at this point, Okay. God just hadn't dealt with this issue yet. You know, God deals through history with things as well as, as your personal life. He works through history. It's like, you know, he finally got through, you know, that whole multiple wives thing. God's like, hey, uh, that's not good. <laughs> Let's not do that. Every man said, amen. So, I mean, I don't want more than one wife. I don't know about you. So, uh, I don't need more than one wife for the blessing that she gives. Um, Let's read, keep reading the Bible here. I'm getting in trouble. And my wife's not even here. So so here you go. When your wife says something, so Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Okay, whatever you wanted to say, honey. Yes, ma- yes, dear. Okay? So after Abram had been... Oh, so after Abram... This is verse 3. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, his wife took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to... Listen to this. Gave her to her husband to be his wife. And he slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And I, I want you to to stop here. I've never noticed this before. Uh, I know I've read this scripture many times, heard this story. Don't know if I heard it in Sunday school exactly like this. Um, but it's interesting. It says that Hagar became abram's wife did you notice that there it actually says he took her to be his wife so see something was happening here that in in this culture was it wasn't just hey here's a woman and you know you can you can sleep with her and then she'll conceive and have a baby and then we'll just take the baby there there was something a little bit deeper no Her status was elevated from slave to wife. She she went from this level to this level in the household. So there was a change because, you know, it wasn't... You know, you couldn't have your family line through someone who wasn't your wife. That's just the way it worked back then. still works that way today. We just only have one. But, you know, your family line could not continue through a slave. And so in order for Abram, in order for this child... To be from Abram's family line, Abram and Sarai knew, hey, we have to do this this way or this won't really count. I mean, we all know that they were trying to make God's promise come true. But here's the deal is they were like, we have to do this this way. So, So her status is elevated and you'll notice what happens. I've never understood this before, but it says when she became pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Who is her mistress? Who is Hagar's mistress? Sarah, we'll just call her Sarah because Sarai sounds weird, and her name's going to change anyway. Okay, so she begins to despise her mistress. What does that mean? Is she begins to kind of exalt herself over who the one who used to be her master? She's like, I'm the one that's pregnant. I'm I'm the one I got. I got Abram's baby here. The line is coming through me. The child is coming through me. You're nothing. You, you haven't had a baby. You can't have a baby. You know, so she was actually, there was, can I say this? There's some women issues going on here, okay? Okay, I've seen it. I don't understand it. I don't try to explain it. But there's, there's, we have men issues too. Men issues are different. We go bam, bam. We hit each other and we're like, cool, let's go have a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> whatever okay i don't I don't drink the other stuff, so um, but women's issues are a little bit different. Look, women are different than men. we know that. I can't get into that because I can't explain it. My wife can preach on that, maybe. So there was this you know this issue, this tension, this is going on, and so like, you know, Hagar is working the woman thing, she's working that that angle where Sarai knows like she is totally being the mean girl type thing here, okay. I've heard about the movie. I never saw it. And so she began to despise her mistress. So she began to... She was actually trying to put herself in a place above her mistress because in some ways she'd been elevated to the same status. And so then Sarai said to Abram, You're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. Not going to say anything about that there, ladies. (laughs) I mean, Abram right here is in full man mode like... How did I get into this? I did what my wife said and I still got in trouble, right? Okay? You're like... I know this is Mother's Day. Somehow this is going to help you ladies out. Um, Don't do this. Okay? This is... Just don't do this. You're responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between me and you. And then Abram said, your slave is in your hands do whatever you think best so then sarah turns the tables on her sarai mistreated hagar so she fled from her you know disobedience in our lives will always lead to dishonor being released in our in our lives as well you know sarah this is this is total disobedience sarah and abraham are completely out of God's will, out of God's plan at this point. They are totally walking away. They're doing their own thing. They're trying to make what God said happen. And so when they do that, guess what happens? There's strife. There's dishonor. There's conflict. There's all kinds of different stuff going on. There's broken relationships. There's jealousy. uh, There's hatred. There's unforgiveness. There's all this stuff that's released into their household because of disobedience. Disobedience. When we disobey God, it does open a door. It does open a door in our lives. It doesn't just affect you. It can affect your family. This is kind of from last weekend too. I guess we're getting a little bit of that. When we we make a covenant with our flesh, you know, that's what they did. They they were making a covenant. God had just made a covenant with Abram and Sarah and said, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be your covenant partner. I'm going to give you everything that I have. All my blessing, all my strength, all that I have is now yours, Abram. You trust in me and walk with me, and I'm going to carry out what I said I will do. And then right after this, a few years go by, and Abram's like, I guess God's not going to do it. And Sarah says, definitely God's not going to do it. We better do something about this, boy. Let's go, man. We're going to make it happen here. And so they disobey, and then all this junk breaks loose in their their household, in their family. So Sarah sends Hagar away. And this is the part I want to focus on here. It's just really powerful. It says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. Now I want to submit to you, many times when the angel of the Lord shows up in the Old Testament, it's actually a manifestation of Jesus. Because there's several times where the angel of the Lord receives worship. And you'll know that no, every other angel that shows up in the Bible never accepts worship. Because they know that only God deserves worship. So I just this could have been Jesus. It says the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that's beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she answered. And then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. Then the angel added, I will, notice this is how we we can notice that it's God, that it's probably Jesus here. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Doesn't sound like an angel, just an angel at that point, right? It's probably God himself showing up. And so the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant. You will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of your misery. Ishmael means God has heard. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. He'll live in hostility toward his brothers. So she gave this name to the Lord. Hello. So now she's saying the Lord spoke to her. Notice that. That's also capital L-O-R-D. When you have capital L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, guess what that means? That means it's Jehovah or Yahweh, God's divine name. So she, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That's why the well was called Be'er Laha Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bared. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave him the name Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. You know, this is a powerful encounter um, that Hagar has with the Lord. The angel of the Lord appears, and she calls him God. So most likely, it's actually Jesus himself. And she, she is met by God and get this the first thing god says to her is this stop running and go back man that that is not the first thing we want to hear from god is it when we're running away from a hard situation when we're running away from the challenge when we're running away from from man i'm being mistreated here i'm being and what does god say go back ouch sometimes the Sometimes the right answer is not to run. Sometimes in our running, God says, hey, that's not going to get you where you need to go. You need, you need, to, you need to go back. Submit to her. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to bless your son. I'm going to do things in you, but you're going to, have to, you're going to have to obey me. You're going to have to walk in my ways. And it's interesting that she says... You are the God who sees me. You know, being being seen is a powerful truth. You know, when when we when we you know when you feel like you're all alone, it feels like no one's noticing you. No one no one knows what's going on. I'm I'm in this place, I can't get out, no one sees, no one sees me. Hey, there's one who has a name that says he's the God who sees. Jehovah Roe. Yahweh Roe. He is the God who sees me. It doesn't matter where you're at today. He's with you. He sees where you're at. He is not He is not he is not deaf to, to what's going on in your life. He's not turning his 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 face away and saying, I'm going to leave that one alone. You can good luck. You can make it on your own. No, he's saying, No, I see where you're at. And I want to meet you right where you're at. He doesn't... He doesn't... He goes and gets her. I mean, think about that song. I love that song. uh, Felicia, where... Man, just... You know, your heart just came out there. Uh, You know, there's no... no Whatever. No wall you won't kick down. Whatever the lyrics are that I can't think of in the moment. You know, where... God's just going to come after you. And that's what He does. God comes after Hagar. He... I mean, she is Nobody. She's nobody in, in the society. And God Himself shows up and meets her. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're nobody. It doesn't matter if you think you're a nobody. God sees you. He's the God who sees you. And He wants to show up and speak to you. You have to be willing to listen. He might tell you something you don't want to hear. He might say... Go back to something you're like, I'm trying to get away from that God. He says, Hey, I'm going to bless you through this. You need to walk back there, and I will be with you. And she says this, I'm I've been now I've seen the God who sees me. In other words, there was her eyes were opened to who God really is. You know, last weekend one of the one of the most powerful testimonies that Pastor Jared gave was how his marriage was renewed. And I want to share this uh, because it, it ties in exactly with the Scripture. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of their story. I didn't check with them. <laughs> but Jared knows. I've known him for 20 years, so we're all good with it. and We're both from California. So um, there's several pastors from Cal... Like the, both pastors in Lubbock, they're originally from California, and the pastor in Midland is from Southern California. All of us are from Southern California. So just so you know that... There's a bunch of good pastors in Texas now from California. So that's what I was thinking of last week. Um, So basically to summarize it, there had been an issue in Jared's life that his wife had been speaking to him for many years about. But he was blind to it. He couldn't see it. And so... Finally, basically, I'm not even going to go into the details. But basically, God got through to him, and he was he was so broken when it happened. And he began to see his wife in a different way. He began to love her in a different way. He began to speak to her in a different way. He began to have a relationship with her in a different way. And man, the 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 word that stuck to me was this: when what she said, what Pastor Christie said to Jared was this. I feel like you finally see me. I was like, whoa. And Jared said this, you know, we were in a, a bad place. You know, my wife was beginning to shut down. She was all open, like an open flower, but she was, she was closing up. And if something didn't change, you know, she's strong. She probably, she's not going to leave me. She's going to gut it out. She's going to make it through, but it's going to be miserable. And God broke through, and now because Jared, the man has the husband, has begun to change, she's beginning to open up, and she's like, you know, for twenty-five years, you know, she was she was the one given out. She felt like, and Jared was saying this was true. So I'm just, this is through his through his testimony. Um, You know, and she was, she'd given all she could. And she needed her husband to see her. Or she used to close up and live in a place of protection. Because that's what happens when we feel like we're all alone. It's like, hey, if I'm all alone, I'm just going to, I better just get all alone. I better close myself off to everybody. That way I don't get hurt anymore. His wife told him, Jared, you finally see me. And Jared's like, why didn't I figure this out 30 years ago? <laughs> he says that their their life has, has radically been changed. Their marriage has radically been changed. After 30 years, 30 years of a good Christian marriage. So it doesn't matter where you're at. You can say, man, this is, I haven't had a good Christian marriage. I've had a bad Christian marriage or I've had a not Christian marriage or I've had whatever it may be, wherever you've been at, you know, there's always hope for God to break through because he sees what's going on. He sees where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He's not not ignorant to your pain. Uh, You know, one of the most uh, powerful tools that we use in the Sozo ministry is, which some of you have heard of, and I don't even want to take time to explain It's basically healing ministry, prayer ministry, inner healing in our hearts. Um, but one of the most powerful tools is called presenting Jesus. Because basically what we do is we ask Jesus to come into your life in, in that very hard moment, in, in you know, some of the most challenging times of your life, and say, Jesus, show that person where you were in that moment. Because most of us feel like when we're in our worst moments that God has abandoned us. Everybody else has abandoned me. I've been abandoned by my friends, by my family, maybe by my spouse, by my kids, uh, by those that I thought loved me. I've been abandoned. God, did you abandon me too? We begin to like project onto him how other people are. We We see God through the lens of other people rather than seeing God through the lens of who he really is. He wants to switch it around. God wants us to see through his lens to other people rather than seeing him through the lens of other people. And so when you present, it's amazing the healing that comes when someone, and it's a real thing. It's not just, we're just going to imagine something. No, we're talking about God is really going to speak to you and show you in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, in your innermost place where he was in that moment. They also use it in theophastic ministry. And what it does is knowing that Jesus actually was there and what he was doing in that moment can bring a whole lot of healing because then we know, oh, I wasn't alone. I didn't walk through that alone. You know, we can start to, we can start to say, well, how come God didn't... how come he didn't do something? And that opens up a whole nother sermon. <laughs> Here's the deal. God gave free will. God can't stop someone else from hurting you without violating that person's free will. If that person doesn't have free will, they can't experience real love. Because God wants that person to experience real love, He has to give them free will. And that means there's a chance they hurt me. But God knows that his ability to heal is greater than any human's ability to hurt. In other words, when we declare that that person hurting me is more powerful than him, we've got it kind of mixed up. No, we're not minimizing the hurt. We don't don't want to ever minimize anyone's pain because it's real. It it has happened in their life. it It is not... Pretend, you don't have to just fake it till you make it and let it go away. No, it's real. We're just believing that God, His reality is greater. That there is a higher level of reality that can come into our lives where His power to heal is greater than my power to be hurt and in pain. And that's exactly what Hagar experienced in this moment. Look, there is no way she would have gone back to that situation unless there had been a change in her heart. There had to be something where she encountered God to where she could know, I can go back and face that. I can do that. And look, I'm not telling you by any means to submit yourselves to abuse or anything. I'm telling you to follow what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. So sometimes it's good, hey, Jesus, where were you? You can do it on your own. You can do it on your own. And see how he speaks to you. See what he shows you. I've seen the Lord who sees me. You know, there's another part of of Hagar's story that I think is very cool. Um, I mean, she had a rough, challenging life. Uh, Turn over to Genesis 21. So what's happened after this, 14 more years have passed... And then, of course, Sarah does give birth to a child. At 90 years old, she gives birth. Abraham is 100 years old. And so they have Isaac. And so now, guess what? Hagar and Ishmael go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I mean, they can read the writing on the wall. They know we're not needed anymore. You know, because as long as Abraham still did not have a child, he's like, we got to have Ishmael. Here's the family line. This is, this is he's going to carry on my name. He's going to carry on my blessing. He's going to carry on my wealth. He's going to carry on the, everything that I own and have. He's going to lead the family. And then they have Isaac, and it's like, we don't need you anymore. So verse 8 says, the child grew and was weaned. That's that's uh, Isaac. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned His son. You know, it's interesting to think of. You know, with Abraham, Ishmael was still his son. And you may wonder, why did God bless bless their disobedience in some ways? It looks like, hey, you know, hey, that child was not the will of God. God didn't direct you to do that. Guess what? It's the power of the covenant. God had already made a covenant with Abram. He'd said, look, we, we're, in a, we're in a blood covenant relationship. And so when Abraham, even though he disobeyed God, I mean, this is a picture of the power of the covenant right here. Even though Abraham disobeyed God, God still blessed him. Sounds like grace and mercy to me. Have you ever noticed that Abraham screwed up over and over again and God always like gets Abraham off and he, he like all the other people get in trouble, but Abraham doesn't. It's because of the power of the covenant. When you're in a covenant with God, he is giving you all of who he is, all of what he has, all of his provision, and it's overriding your performance. Aren't you glad that the new covenant is not based on our performance? It's not based on if you follow all the rules correctly. It's not based on if you do all the right things. It's not based on how many times you do this or that. It's based on what Jesus did. That what Jesus did on the cross is the basis of the new covenant. So even when we disobey, God says, I'm still going to bless you with Jesus. It should freak us out sometimes. We're like, no, 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 I don't deserve this. He's like, I know. <laughs> But I want to. And you're my covenant partner. You're my covenant child. You're my covenant friend. So that's why Ishmael was going to be blessed by God. He was in a covenant. So God said, like, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour out blessings on you and your descendants. You're going, have, you're going to have this blessing. So, But it also, you know, Abraham, he's torn. This was his son. So the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, look... Listen to how God's at work in this whole situation. Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you. Because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also. Look, because he is your offspring. In other words, there is such a... Man, such an honor. Look at that God himself would be in a relationship with a human being like this is incredible. But it's a picture of the new covenant. It's a picture of our relationship with God now that he would honor us so much. He's like, because because this one came from you, I'm going to bless him. Even though it was out of your disobedience, I'm, I'm 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 going to be greater than that. I'm going to bless him anyway. But send him away. In other words, God's saying now's the time for him to leave, but I'm going to take care of them. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water, gave them to Hagar, and he set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy who is not a boy at this point. He's about 14. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes, um, and she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. And God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. And so here is a different encounter that hagar has with the lord and i want you to notice what happens this time is last time it was god seeing her this time it's her seeing. this time it's revelation this time god opens her eyes you know there's that time when god needs to meet us and see us but then there's a time where god encounters us he comes into our lives and says i'm going to show you something that was already there all the time it was there you just couldn't see it You didn't know it was there, but I'm going to open your eyes. That's what revelation is. When God brings revelation into our spirits, something that was already there for us, we didn't see it before, but now we can see it because we have the revelation from God. You know, Ephesians 1 is a powerful scripture. If we could put that one up there, sir, so I don't have to misquote it. Um, It says this, As the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above. All rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. See, this is, I love this prayer because it's about revelation. Right before this, it says, Paul in verse 16 says, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. In other words, you need to get to know Him better. If you don't get to know Him better, then your eyes won't be open to what He's doing in your life. You won't realize the power that's there. You won't realize the hope that's there. You won't realize the inheritance that's there. It's right there. It's right by you. You think, I have nothing. I can't get out. I'm I'm dying of thirst here. And then He meets you and opens your eyes and you go, there's an oasis right here and I didn't see it. There's a spiritual oasis right in my life. Man, we need that oasis, right? When you're in that dry season, when you're in that place where God, what's going on? And this time it's not about God seeing you, it's about you seeing what God has already provided. Boom, there's a spring of water. Hey, I'm not done with you yet. We need to hear somebody needs to hear hear that today that God says, "I'm not done. I'm not I'm not done with you yet. I'm not just going to let you spiritually die." There's life right here. And right now we're believing for your eyes to be opened. So that you can see the oasis that is right in front of you. Some of you are like, I can't see it. I can't see it. Lord, open my eyes. You know, it's like uh, when when, uh, Elisha, I think it was, was surrounded and the servant comes in. They were going to come attack the city and... This is in the book of 1 Kings. And the servant runs in and says, We're surrounded, Elijah. What are we going to do? And he says, No, we're not. <laughs> no, we, we have more on our side than, than they have on their side. And he, what does he say? It says, And then Elisha prayed for his servant. God opened his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, all the hills were surrounded with like the armies of heaven. You know, it was like... Hey, guess what? The ones who are against you are way less than the ones who are for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's revelation truth right there. That's part of the oasis that we need to see is what God has for us right there. Sometimes we're stuck looking at our dry skin. Man, there's no water in here, God. (gasps) There's nothing in here. He's like, you're right. You need to come get filled up by me. <laughs> Let's me let you come get filled right now. He is the God who sees us. He's also the God who makes us see. And I need both. Sometimes I just need God to encounter me and touch my heart and let me, let me know that I'm not alone. Other times I need him to open my eyes so I know what's right in front of me. I don't think we're gonna do that song. So <clears throat> let's stand up. Let's stand up and, and I want to I want to do something with you. Thank you, Lo. Can you put put something? Give me some give me a harp to help the prophet here. <clears throat> As, like Elijah said. Bring me a bring me a harpist. You know, as I was praying about this message, like it, this, this whole, this whole idea, just this Hagar, God who sees, just like came out of nowhere to me. And so I I know that there's a reason that I was led to this passage today for Mother's Day. And I don't know; it might be just for one person. It might be for 50 people in here. Everybody just close your eyes for a second. Lord, we just thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, right now. There are some in here who you just need to know it's not about you seeing something. It's about about God seeing you. So for those of you in your worst moment, I want you to ask Jesus right now, Jesus, show me where you were in that moment. Jesus show me where you were in that moment. Heal my heart Lord. Heal my heart Lord. He is the God who sees. He is the God who sees. Maybe you're one that says, I'm just in that dry season right now. I feel like my my water bottle's empty. My spiritual water bottle has run out. I feel like I'm in a desert. And I want to pray right now that your eyes would be open to see what God has provided for you. His spiritual life that is waiting for you right now in this moment, this week, this day. So right now, God, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Holy Spirit, come. Open up our eyes. Show us what we've been missing. Show us what's right in front of us. Show us where the spiritual oasis is, Lord. Tell us that we don't need to give up. But I pray for anyone in here who's, who's just thinking, I just want to give up. I, I just, I'm done. I'm just going to sit down and I'm done. Lord, I pray for life right now. I pray for hope right now. The hope of your calling to be released right now. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Open the eyes of our hearts. In Jesus' name, I speak hope right now into those hearts. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for truth, God. Thank you for life. Lord, I pray as well, Lord, that you would, Lord, for some of us, we've, we've had that there's just relationships that have been broken just like Sarah and Hagar. There's been strife, there's been jealousy, there's been dishonoring things said. Lord, I just I just want to release grace and forgiveness, Lord, and we just we just ask for if any way possible reconciliation to happen in those relationships. It's not just it's not just women here, Lord. There's there's men with men, men with women, women with men, women with women. Parents and kids, Lord. Reconciliation in the name of Jesus. We declare that, God, help us be the one who humbles ourselves to go and say, I'm going with the, with the power of the kingdom to make things right. I'm going with forgiveness. I'm going with humility. I'm going with grace. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom. Give us the timing. Give us the discernment so we can see that happen. Maybe it's not right now. Maybe we wait. But we're, we're praying. Our hearts are open. Where we're saying, God, we are open to that relationship being healed in our life. We ask you to move in my life, Lord. Move in my life. So Do what you need to do in me so that that can be healed and mended. Thank you, Lord, that you are about restoration. You are about reconciliation right now with husbands and wives right now. Reconciliation. Forgiveness love rekindled again. Lord, we don't need to walk in just making it through life. Lord, you have more for us. Thank you. Thank you for meeting us here today, right now, Holy Spirit. I bless everyone in this house today, in the name of Jesus. Amen.